Well, imagine, if you will, the emotional situation of dealing with the passing of a loved one, let alone the day of the funeral, always treated with reverence and great respect for the departed. So imagine this, if you will, Bill Edger, Edgar, rather called the Coffin Confessor, who's written a book about his working life. He turns up and reveals to the gathered attendees the secrets that the person that passed away wanted their loved ones to know about. Bit of a shock, to say the least. And he joins us online, I'm very pleased to say now. Bill, good afternoon to you. Uh, good afternoon, and thank you for having me. Oh, look, it's a great pleasure, and I'm sure you're sort of sick of talking about all of this, but I've got to say, it's sort of, we've sort of leant back a little bit at the prospect of this thinking how incredibly imaginative of yourself uh, to come up with something like this. You've written the book, The Coffin Confessor. It's going to be huge. You've also looked at a movie or television series, perhaps, to come out of this. Yeah, there's quite a lot uh, coming forward, which is uh, absolutely great and unexpected, <laughs> to say the least, especially when it started all as a joke. <laughs> is that right? <laughs> what brought it about? Just, I know you have to repeat yourself, but we, we'd love to hear it. No, that's fine. No, I love telling the story. It was a gentleman that was, um, he was dying, he was knocking on death's door, and we spoke about death and the afterlife. And um, I, I suggested he do a eulogy. He said he'd been to plenty of funerals in the past where the eulogy's not played out of the, you know, the respect for the people there. Yeah. Uh, they just found it too intimidating for that. And he, he, he sort of said, no, he wanted something more. So I suggested, out of a joke, how about I crash the funeral for you? <laughs> and he took me up on that offer, paid me well, and I did it for him. <laughs> you get paid very well, let me just say, $10,000, but that's a great... Co- Nothing else around the world would be like this, would it? No, I'm, I'm the coffin confessor, the only one in the world, and, <laughs> and like you say, it is, it is $10,000 a funeral, but at the end of the day, they don't need the money where they're going, and I never have a complaint. <laughs> no, you sure wouldn't. You know, Bill, as you know, your life has been um, in a full circle as well, but nobody has life without challenges, nobody has life without confrontation, nobody has life without... I wish I had done something or somebody did something to me or I would prefer somebody to know about that after I go. Um, because always at a funeral, and all good and well, only the good things are said about everybody and that is to make everyone feel good. Can I ask you on your first confession that you did, what was the reaction and, and how how was it that you sort of, you know, portrayed the information that you had to on behalf of the person that had died? Yeah, so basically the first funeral I attended, I attend as one of the mourners, um, I see with family and friends, yeah. and a specific time, at this particular time, it was when his uh, best mate was performing the eulogy, and I'd stand up, I uh, told him to sit down, shut up, or go away. <laughs> um, the man in the box has something left unsaid, and it was to expose his best mate that had been trying to have sex with his wife all his life. No. It was absolutely horrendous for him. Yeah. Well, this is where it gets a little bit sticky, doesn't it? I mean, it's all good and well, and the and the the group at the funeral must have been absolutely shocked. I mean, did they laugh? Did they cry? Did they yell at you? Or what what happened? Oh, no. Yeah, total shock to start with. But I didn't stop. I had to keep going. <laughs> so the next thing I had to do was call three people out of the audience and ask them to leave as well. Why were they there? They hadn't seen my client in 30 years, so why pay their respects now? And when he was alive, they never saw him. So 
basically they were vultures and he wanted them gone. My goodness. Do you know, this is so true at a lot of funerals that there's a lot of friction, unfortunately, amongst family for whatever reason. And if they turn up, it can end up being rather heartbreaking does because they possibly have not been in touch with that person. And, and that's not uncommon. Oh, it's not uncommon now that we've got social media. People don't even visit each other. You just go online and you see them. Yeah. But in certain cases, when a person's actually dying, you think their loved ones would be, you know, coming around, seeing them, making sure they're comfortable and everything else. Instead, my clients, my clients are watching their family members come in and go through their garages, rummage through their drawers and divvy up their assets before they're even gone. That's sad but true. That's very, very true. I think you're actually performing something that's quite important for a lot of these people if they haven't got their say anymore, you know. And there are quite a few stories that you've already documented. Uh, you yourself have had a pretty tough uh, time in life, um, Bill, and you've come through, thankfully, and now that you're out there, you've been um, a private detective, you've worked in security, the US Secret Service, you've helped them out with Bill and Hillary Clinton on the security team, so you know how to look after yourself. Oh, yeah, that's, a, that's yeah, something <laughs> I've needed to do throughout my whole life, as a, especially as a child growing up. Um, but at the same time, if I hadn't have gone through all that, I wouldn't be who I am today. True. So, I mean, it's, it's really made me and empowered me to, to do better and become a better person. Um, obviously, I'll, we all have regrets and we all have a skeleton in the closet. It's just a matter of if you want to let them out. Yeah, I think a lot of people would probably, before they passed away, would like to let everybody know how they really felt about life and that sort of thing. And probably not always negative. It might be a positive statement. But a couple of these right. confessions <laughs> that you've got listed here that you've actually crashed. Oh, by the way, how do you get out safely from the service? Oh, look, it's one of those things that uh, once you get the crowd on your side, you're pretty much right because the crowd wants to know what their loved one left unsaid. No matter what anybody else says, they might ask you to leave or something else, but the majority want to know what their loved one left unsaid. And it's beautiful. So I'll, I'll continue and I'll keep going. And those that are interrupting, they're usually the ones that are going to be out there. They leave anyway. <laughs> Could turn out to be a brawl. Oh, my goodness. Well, that's fantastic. And when you say get them on your side, if you've asked a couple of people to leave, do they leave willingly or do they have to be escorted? Oh, no, they know to leave. Okay, they're embarrassed. The rest of the people there. I mean, we've all been to a funeral where we've sat there and we've looked across and we've seen, say, Uncle Dan. We're thinking, what the hell's he doing there? Yeah. You know, and when he's actually asked to leave, they leave. They they don't make a scene, and I doubt there'd ever be really a, a big scene <laughs> at what I do because I'm there on behalf of the actual person in the casket. Nobody else. <laughs> no. Well, I think you started something very big here, quite frankly. Now, let's have a look at a couple of these instances. Uh, the dying woman whose children were fighting over her assets, that's a good... That's very topical or typical, isn't it? That was a will reading. Ah, right. a will reading. Okay. So I presented a new will to the solicitor, um, and he was shocked and upset because, obviously, he was going to get a part of the assets or whatever there was. But in, in, in the very end... No one got anything. Uh, she left it all through another estate. Um, through a, you know, we, we got a doctor's down the mind. We got barristers. We got everything done properly and appropriately. And it was all gone by the time I did that, cra that wheel crash. That's fantastic, isn't it? Good on you oh, for that. It was the best feeling, too, walking <laughs> away from that family. Because I was at the bedside listening to them fight over this lady's assets, and she's in tears. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, it's very common, unfortunately, and they don't get their wishes carried out, and this is the way it's happening now. You know, when you do get the confession from somebody um, that they want you to relay to the audience on the day, do you you record it, don't you, so you know you've got a legal testimony sort of thing? Absolutely. Yeah. So I have a, a binding contract with my client, and it's recorded, plus um, everything's written down and put in an envelope. So at the time of the funeral, I open the envelope and read aloud what, you know, what my client once said. <laughs> Unless it's a crime, I don't know what, what that crime is until I open the envelope. Okay. Because if I do know the crime, I've got to report it. Of course. If I don't know it, just like everybody else, I open the envelope and I read it, well... Mm. Then I'll report it. Do you know, I, I think everyone listening at the moment is probably in their mind is sort of thinking things they might like to write down and get read out, read out on the day. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? We all go out. Every day we go out and we do something. And we never leave a little letter or a love Nothing for our loved one. It's so true. It is so... You have really hit on a nerve here. There's no two minds about that. You hired, um, hired by a man in perfect health to admit to his loved ones about his eventual death that it hadn't worked a day in his life. The, the uh, Sorry, is this the lotto one? Yes. yes. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, isn't that that's yeah. bizarre, isn't it? <laughs> this Just, is something that is... Everybody thinks... Or when they win lotto, they think they're not going to tell anybody. Wouldn't it be nice not to tell anybody? This man actually did it. He won a lot of money. He told nobody his whole life. And his family think he's an astute businessman and he's a great bloke and he helps them out in business and he's never worked a damn day in his life. <laughs> and he put the money where it wanted to go. Good on him. And, yeah, and he's going to look after him when he goes. I mean, everyone gets a little envelope with something in it. What about the hoarder? She wanted her wishes carried out, didn't she? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and that's, that's the thing. Look, family, for some reason, think that it's all about them when somebody dies, and it's not. It's that mm. person yeah. who's died. Stop mm. thinking it's about you because it's not. Funerals aren't for the living. They're for the deceased. If they think they're for the living, then you're disrespecting the person in the coffin. They all have requests. They all have, you know things that they need to get done or things off their mind. I mean, it's no different to the home suites. When someone has a fall and they can't go home, mm-hmm. I go to their home and I remove sensitive items. Now, it could be sexual toys, lingerie, could be anything. <laughs> but the point is, is they don't want their families to find it because they're embarrassed, which is fine. <laughs> it's a service. It's their, li- <laughs> it's their life during their lifetime, that's right. But she didn't want her husband to throw things out because she'd stashed money, money. in places around the home. And yeah. We had no idea that, like, this lady had been chucking $20 here, $50 there, you know, and, and throughout her lifetime, she just, you know, and she said to her husband, you know, she told me, she said to her husband, don't throw anything out, don't just give it to Goodwill or Salvation Army, make sure you go through everything. And what does he do? No, he just saves everything up and gets it ready to go. And then I come in and I say, excuse me, have you gone through everything? And he's like... Well, I sort of did. We found $14,000. Oh, my gosh. That's fantastic. That is brilliant. There are people that have hidden stuff everywhere, I think, over the years. You're right. They want to reveal to the right people at the right time. And I love. we all love the story about the bikey. Yeah, the gay bikey. <laughs> he is a beautiful man. You know, what a shame we can't live our lives as true people. I mean, honestly, he's gay and, and, and he's, yeah, I had doubt that he was gay and that his lovers are in the audience and everybody's looking at each other and I'm like standing there thinking, oh, I'm going to get back. <laughs> it's so beautiful. I mean, 
you know, and, and he wanted his Harley placed on top of his coffin and then buried, you know. And With the bike. Done, it, may have, it may have been done. So. And didn't he want to profess his love to one other bikey that was in the audience? Yeah, he did. Oh, my gosh. It was... It was yeah, it was one of those situations where you clench your teeth with a couple of blokes come over and they go, how about you just F off, you know? And I'm like, oh, you know what? I've got a job to do. I'm going to do it. And the other bike is, I think some of them already knew. So it was, yeah, fair uh, enough. You know. That is good. one of those things. It's like a family. Every family has a secret. We know the secrets <laughs> of our cousins, uncles, nephews, and that, but we don't ever talk about them. Well, guess what I'm talking about? I'm thinking about it right now, as a matter of fact. <laughs> and I like the final one that we're chatting here about today is an elderly man's sex dungeon. Yeah, wasn't that bizarre? That was, um, <laughs> yeah, so this gentleman, he, he uh, asked me to go back to his home and clear out some items before his three sons and daughter-in-laws <laughs> uh, enter the house to start cleaning it out. And I get there, beautiful little home, modest home, nothing wrong with it. Go out the back to this secret door and go into this room and oh my god, he's more more sex toys than any porn shop sex shop you've ever been in in your life. Mister Mattel, we'll call him. Oh, he's unbelievable! But what a um, what a legend of a bloke. I mean, seriously, you live life to the fullest. Seriously, that's hysterical. Thank goodness he thought to do that though. Then, how long have you been doing this now? Um, my first client, Graham, was uh, end of 2017, we engaged, and then he passed away, I think it was March 2018. <laughs> well, there's a long a long life in front of you, thankfully, and I guess you probably should start confessing to somebody yourself so that when the oh, day it's comes... In the book. <laughs> it's all in the book. Yes, you're right. That's what's in the book. Everything about me is in the book. I'm an open book now because I didn't want anyone digging me anything up and going, you know what? <laughs> Well, guess what? I'll put it in there. We'll talk about you. You know, you could end up franchising this idea. Well, yeah, there's a lot of talk about that, especially in the state. Uh, as you said, um, you know, pointed out earlier, there's a movie deal I signed with Paramount Pictures and the um, reality TV show they're offering mm. me. And, and I've got to say that the Australian side of it, though, is really pretty cool because they're thinking of a drama series here in Australia and um, I think it's Greg Hedrick, uh, the writer of Underbelly, has already written a script oh, with uh, producer John McAvoy, so Bill, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. That would be unbelievable. Just tell us, that would, that's definitely going to happen. What about uh, the movie though? How did they find out about what you were doing? Do you have any idea? Uh, look, I, I did one interview in Britain called Good Good Morning UK. I was on there. Oh, yeah. And I got a call at two in the morning and I hung up on this guy three times. And then he phoned me back and he said, no one's ever hung up on me in my life, mate. That was the funniest phone call I ever had. <laughs> and I said, look, who are you? And he goes, I'm Steve Mandel. I'm from America. I look after El Pool Winfrey. I look after all these people. And I'm like, yeah, okay. He says, I'll look after you. And I said, well, when you look after me, you let me know. <laughs> He calls me back in a week and he says, got a movie deal, got a script, got everything. And I'm like, oh let's go, let's sign. <laughs> you are brilliant. Honestly, I, look, this is, the, this is the sort of quandary that you find yourself in. You don't know whether to laugh yourself stupid or feel very sorry for the victims at the funeral on the day. But it, it's, it's really quite edgy and I think yeah. it's very cathartic and I think it would lighten up the whole day and proceedings. 
Well, I give, a, I give my voice to these people that are dying. And, and yeah. to see the smile on their face right at the end when I when I say goodbye to them. Mm. And they know what I'm going to do. And it sort of makes them feel feel good. And I like that feeling. That's the best. <laughs> oh, look, good on you, Bill. It's just been great to speak to you. And all the very best. The future's looking very interesting indeed. We look forward to the television and the movie. And the book is out now called Coffin Cheaters. Coffin Confessor. Coughing confessor. Sorry, couldn't have cheated. Listen to me. <laughs> God, what do you Oh, that's a biker gang, isn't it? Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is. You know them all. Thanks, Bill, so much for your time. Uh, thank you so much for having me. Take care. Thank you. How about that? Who would have ever thought? Uh, Bill Edgar there, author of The Coffin Confessor. <laughs> <laughs>